Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. All right, amigas, I have Alejandra Hernandez here with us. Alejandra, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Oh, thank you for having me and me too. I feel like our first convo off the record was so nice. So I'm really excited about this one and we get to share it with other people as well. Yes. And just a, a little background, Ale and I just met and we're tocayas, first of all, because my name is Alejandra as well. <laughs> um, but we met in Miami during our happy hour that we had earlier this year. And it, I felt like it just clicked, right? Our missions are similar. Um, our journeys are similar. And just like the the work that we're doing to help Latina, the Latina community elevate, whether it's through business or entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship or in their careers, it's so meaningful. So I'm just really excited to have you as a part of the Mujeron Movement community. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad I stumbled upon it. I'm so glad, you know, um, maybe some of your listeners are very clear about what the movement is already, but I kind of fell upon it mm. on Eventbrite. And so to be able to be in that, like talk about divine timing, to be in that one spot where I saw it and it was like Tuesday and it was like this Thursday. I was like, that's, <laughs> looks like that's what I'm doing this Thursday. So it was so great. I'm so glad I got to meet you while you were in Miami and got to meet so many great people from your community. Thank you. Yes, I'm so excited. So first, I want to start with you telling us a little bit more about you and how you were impacted and inspired to become a leadership coach. I think that's such meaningful and intentional work. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a leadership coach and I specifically work with Latinas, women of color as well. I've had women um, from different, but usually they fall into the bucket of women of color. And I love the leadership aspect because I think a huge piece and really the part that I focus on as well is mindset and being able to see how powerful mindset is to your confidence, to your ability to overcome imposter syndrome, something we're going to talk about in this episode, to be able to communicate through conflict. And so when I started to really get into coaching, I started off in the career coaching, very, I guess I'll call it traditional in the sense of like interview prep, resume reviews, job sourcing. I was doing a lot of that, what I would call more of the technical aspect and I started to get to a point where I was like, okay, this is, this is great. I want something different though. And I, and I did it. And I was like trying to figure out what that was. And then I realized I was like, oh, what I want is like the mindset piece. Like it's great to do these interview preps. It's great to do the resume reviews. But what I wanted to really do was transform the way that people thought about themselves and their ability to lead. And so that's when I started to really get into more of like what people can expand out into like leadership or life coaching and doing a lot of the mindset work. And a lot of what took me to that and seeing the importance of that was my own transformation. And I think that's so much of what like coaches do. It's like, holy moly, this changed my life. Like I want to share this. It's oftentimes what happens. And I enrolled in my first personal development program 
in 2019. I like it was kind of another thing too that I kind of just stumbled upon. Like someone gave me like a free ticket to this thing. And I was like, sure, I don't have any plans this weekend. And I went and it was my first personal development program. And that really changed so much of who I was and who I was being because it was the first time that I was exposed to that industry, to the world. I had never really thought about my thoughts, creating my results, all this like jargon that's in the personal development space. Like I had never thought that limiting beliefs, that there were beliefs I had that were limiting me and my ability to thrive. And so when I encountered that program and I saw how much I was able to change in who I believe I was, but also the surroundings of my environment, I was like, oh, this is the world that I want to be in. And that's why I do the work that I do now to really. And I've always had a soft spot for first gen Latinas, women of color. Like that's something I majored in sociology, learned all about, you know, the ways that we separate people based on like race and class. And like just I came out of there super passionate about wanting to uplift the voices of women of color, Latinas, and first gen, those are like the three things that really get to me. So it just made sense that that's what my coaching would do and empower the people that I empower. Yes, I love this so much. And specifically when you said about our thoughts, right? And I think that we all kind of grow up with that thinking that not really realizing how it truly is something that can change and shifts so much within us. So I'm excited to get into our talk. So today we're going to be talking about overcoming imposter syndrome. And Ali is going to be sharing three steps for us to uh, take with us today. And the first one, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Okay. So my three steps to overcoming imposter syndrome, they are very simple yet transformative when we implement them. And I find that to be so much of the case, Sonia. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's like the simple things. Mm. We just go back to the simple things. They make such a big difference. Sometimes that's in health. The simple things, move your body, eat more nutritious foods, eat less of the, the takeout. Like it's these simple things and they are simple, but they don't make them easy. And so these three steps are going to be very simple. And I like to share you know, one tool that I like to do per step in order to implement that. And the first step that I do, and I just developed this really, I think with overcoming imposter syndrome, I just developed it after over and over again, seeing like, what was the issue? What was going on? And how do we actually reframe this? Now, imposter syndrome generally is when people doubt their skills and their abilities and really have this sense of, I'm going to be exposed as a fraud. They're going to know that I don't belong Mm. here, right? And the first thing I like to say before going into the three steps is that there's two things that I always want people to know when I'm talking about imposter syndrome, and that's that there's your internal environment and your external environment. And I always think it's important to remember them because- When we talk about the internal and the external, when it comes to imposter syndrome, what I'm saying is that there's this internal environment, meaning the things within you and within your control, right? And that's a lot of what like coaching is about is like, how do you transform the way you think about what you can control so that you can lead a better life so that you can lead a better, a higher quality of life. And so with that, I think about the internal environment as your thoughts, your beliefs, you know, who you choose to hang out with as your friends. These are all things that you can choose that are within your control and in within your ability to change. But then we also have an external environment. And I think it's important to acknowledge that too. And I think sometimes this can get a little bit lost in the coaching world. Not always, but sometimes where it's like, there's 
also very real circumstances in the world that make it challenging for Latinas in the workplace, that make it challenging for other groups of people in the workplace and can contribute to the imposter syndrome that people experience. Things like racism, things like colorism and sexism and homophobia, et cetera, so many different aspects. And these are very real things that are not within our ability to change in the immediate action. We can contribute to how that change comes about, but we don't change those things overnight or within, you know, even our lifetime. And so I like to always start by emphasizing those two, because I think it's really important if we don't see both sides, we can either wind up gaslighting ourselves where sometimes we'll go like, am I crazy? Like, am I just being too sensitive? Am I, you know, those kinds of things. But on the other side, if we don't take into account the internal environment and we go, it's always, it's only racism, it's only colorism, it's only sexism, it's only those things, then we're disempowered, right? We feel like we can't do anything and we're helpless. So I think that I always like to start off with that piece right there. Like those, those two things, internal and external. Yeah. And it's so important because i I think that sometimes I assume people know what imposter syndrome is, but Mm -hmm. I I feel obviously because we're in this work and we do this type of work, but it's something that even when I found out about imposter syndrome, it was like an aha moment of, oh, wow, other people feel like this too, right? And people Mm -hmm. who are already doing the things that we want to do are also in this this journey of finding themselves of imposter syndrome of all of that. Um, I remember once investing in a mastermind and in this mastermind was someone that I admired so much for a few years. And she kind of opened up and said something along the lines of like the things that she still fears or the things that she still has, uh, she's struggling with. And it was such a powerful moment for me. And it's the reason why getting in rooms where people that are doing the things that you want is so important, because then you see how similar our journeys really are and how these people are just like us, Mm -hmm. scared, you know, and, and they're fighting through the fear. And it was such a moment. So thank you so much for explaining that. Yeah, I love that you just shared that. And that is so big. It's that's what helped me get into entrepreneurship. I started seeing other entrepreneurs and hanging out with other entrepreneurs, even when I wasn't one. And I was like, oh, these people scared too. Okay. (laughs) We're scared, all of us. (laughs) Yeah, we're all just doing the thing. They just like, they're just working through it. I can do that too. And so I love that you brought that up because I think it is so important. And I think even being able to, um, this is just sidetracking is like, one of the things that I would tell myself if I were to go back and be, as a young Latina in the workplace, back when I was working in the corporate space, I would encourage myself to network and talk to people, mm. just build relationships with people from all backgrounds, from all different types of places and careers. Like I would encourage myself so deeply to go, just go and build yes. relationships and I'm an introvert, so I would probably not tell myself to network because I would probably freak myself out, but I'd be like, just go build relationships, just go yeah. connect with people because that is such a big one to learn. Like, oh, the CFO has bad days too. This person has, and that was really big. I used to really struggle to 
connect with people that weren't of like, you know, Latinas or women of color, like, especially like if white men were speaking to me and they were in like superior roles, I had a hard time. Like, I would just always feel like, oh, like, I just, I don't know what to say. Maybe I'm going to say something wrong. They're going to think I'm dumb. Like I would get very, very insecure. Yes. And so I would tell myself to go back and do that. Cause there's so many people now that I know. And I'm like, yeah, they're just, they're humans just like me. It's so important. And even building your personal brand as a Latina professional, right? Not even being an entrepreneur, like you mentioned, because mm-hmm. we never know where we're going to end up. And mm-hmm. having our personal brand is so important because I hear sometimes, you know, I don't have a business. So I, you know, don't really, I'm not really on social media. It's very important that you are, even if you are just, you know, in, in the nine to five space, I think a lot of times we confuse that, you know, building a business is where we need to have a personal brand, but overall the networking, the building your personal brand, the relationships. So, so important. And that's why like, it's, that's why I've up till this day, I'm still focusing on people in Latinas in the nine to five space Mm -hmm. because there's people, you know, there's people who focus a lot on like coaching coaches or coaching business owners and things like that. And part of why I've still, and and it may change in the future, but part of the reason why I've been sticking to Latina professionals is because I didn't start doing any of those things, Mm -hmm. things like my mind. Well, my mindset started to work before entrepreneurship, but things like building out my brand, things like really being able to dig deep and go, I am capable of doing this overcoming imposter syndrome. Like I didn't have to get over those things until I became an entrepreneur. And it it was either like, you're going to get over it or you're going to fail period. And it's no, there's no getting back up from it. And so I focus so much on Latina professionals because I'm like, I would love to see more people in the nine to five space have the skill set, have the leadership, overcome imposter syndrome, fortify your mindset, build your personal brand. Because I do agree with you. I think a lot of times it's like we become entrepreneurs and we're like, oh, I have to do all these things. And it's like, yeah, but these things could, it just makes you a stronger professional to have those things Mm -hmm. already set. So I love that you brought that up. But yeah, that, that piece right there. Yes, I can go on and on. And I want to share one more thing out of yeah. topic here. <laughs> and then we'll get back. Yeah, and then we'll get back to the three points, ladies. Sorry, I just feel like I need to share this. Uh, so I was at a summit and it was all Latinas. And someone mentioned about like the women in leadership in corporate in the corporate space and how they are the people infiltrating for us. Mm. And a great story is, for the Mujer on Movement event, the, the one we had in October, the people that invested, the company that invested the most into our event, shout out to Arizona Bank and Trust. Oh, <laughs> um, the women, it was it was a Latina woman that I met with and she had, you know, the power of presenting and putting this event in front of the decision makers. And if it wasn't for her working through right? The corporate ladder and just getting out of her own way to become this Latina professional within this company, she wouldn't have impacted 
the Mujeron Movement event, the Mujeron Movement community and create helped us create this space for Latina women. So definitely the women in the corporate space, you guys are so, so important for us so that we can make those connections. Because let's be honest, a lot of the people that are making decisions are not our people yet. That's what Ale is here to help us get up there so we can get more of us in there. Yeah, (laughs) keyword yet. Absolutely. 3% of senior level positions are filled Mm -hmm. by Latinas. Three. And so, yeah, that is that is an abysmal number for a group that tends to be educated, ambitious. And you point to the fact that like oftentimes once we start winning, once we start moving up that ladder and getting to places, I find that so many of my clients then turn around and want to go like, Hey, how can, how can I help? How can I do that? And I think that's a beautiful thing that speaks into a lot of like our culture and community orientation of that. So great. Yes. Let's get get back back to (laughs) step one. So I talked about internal and external because I don't want you to gaslight yourself and think that you're crazy and you're making stuff up in your head, but I also don't want you to feel helpless. Like you have no control. There's a blend, there's a gray. And so when I start with step one, step one is so simple. And that is awareness. Mm. It's literally building the awareness, awareness, like defined in the dictionary is knowing that something is happening or exists. That's it. And I love to start with that because when I'm coaching my clients, I'll find that there's something, they'll say something like, I'm just afraid that they're not going to think I'm professional or what if they demote me? What if like, I'll just hear them say these words and then I'll finally be like, okay, we'll do some digging. We'll do some coaching. I'll be like, where is that coming from? And then they'll go, it was at one time where I had a manager who told me, that I could, couldn't share things like that about my life or else I wouldn't be taken seriously. And it wouldn't be until that point, or it was that one manager that I had that questioned if my English speaking abilities was even good enough. And like the way that those things, once we bring awareness to that, you see it in their face. You, you go, oh, it's like the aha moment for them. They're like, oh my gosh. So awareness, when I talk about awareness, it's being able to clearly understand what is happening when you find yourself experiencing imposter syndrome and thinking, what if I fail or what if I'm not good enough? What if all these things just begin to question, where could that be coming from? What are you afraid of? What is really happening there? And so one of my favorite tools for awareness is one called fact versus interpretation. Have you heard of this tool before, Sonia? No, I haven't. Okay. So fact versus interpretation. It's one of the tools I like to say, like if you take nothing else of anything I say on this podcast, it's this one tool. It's incredible. And it's great for building awareness, interpretation versus fact or fact versus interpretation. It's a tool for building awareness. And the way that it works is let's say that you have a meeting. And we'll take one of the examples of one of my clients. You have a meeting and they say that you, okay, this person's giving you a hard time and they're not giving you the deliverables that you need in order to get your job done. Okay. This is a real client story. She said, this person's giving me a hard time. They're not giving me the deliverables that I want. And now I'm starting to fear that I'm going to fail. And I think that she is starting to think that, I'm trying to take her work and it's like becoming a big issue. So when I talk about imposter syndrome and you using fact versus interpretation, what I like to do is first we separate out what is fact and then what is interpretation. Fact is what happened. Listen real closely here. 
fact is what happened. Interpretation is the story you made up as to why that happened. And they're two separate things. So what happened could be, I sent an email and asked for this deliverable by Tuesday, it's Wednesday and I have not received the deliverable. That is a fact. She thinks I'm trying to take her work. So that's why she's not sending these things over to me. And now we have this big issue. She's giving me a hard time. Those are all interpretations. Those are all stories, things you made up as to why it is happening. And it is so easy because our brain does this. Our brain is an interpretation machine. That's what it's designed to do. That's why we have things like stereotypes. Our brain likes shortcuts. And so I always like to first discern between what is fact and what is interpretation. If we go back to my client who went back to that one situation, the fact was her manager said, you can't say things like that about yourself or else they won't take you personal. They won't take you seriously. That was the fact. Her interpretation of it was, I'm unprofessional. I'm not a credible professional. They're not going to take me seriously. I am not someone who's able to be taken seriously. Those are all interpretations. Do you see what I'm saying there? How you discern yeah. between those two things? If this podcast resonates with you and you are ready to stop playing small and you want to take meaningful actions to bring your big goals to life, but you feel like you don't even know where to start, then I invite you to apply for private coaching. This is the most intimate way to work with me. Inside private coaching, I help you get clear on your goals and together we create a roadmap on how you are going to get there. This is for you if you want to start a business, or a passion project, if you want to reach the next level in your life, or if you are the first in your family to break generational cycles. We meet once a week and you get access to me on Voxer so you are always supported. This offer won't be around for long, so if you're interested, I invite you to apply using the link on the show notes. All right, amiga, let's get back to the show and I cannot wait to talk to you. Yes, I feel like this can seriously help us in every area of our life. Every, literally every area. I think <laughs> with about my husband, with my yes. mom. <laughs> yes. And sometimes my clients will have that be like, they'll tell me something that their husband said and then like their story behind it. And you'll just, it's so fascinating mm -hmm. because our brains do this by default. It will interpret, interpret, interpret. So it is our job as like, what I think about as my job as a coach is to constantly figure out what is the story and what is the fact and help my client see that. And so the way that you can begin to tell if something is an interpretation, there's two things that I like to kind of point out. One, if you got 10 people together, and you said the situation, would they all agree or would they all disagree? Mm. Or would some people disagree? If some people, if there starts to get some fluffiness in there and there's disagreements, it's likely because it's an interpretation. Because that's the thing. Our interpretations are built on our lived experience. It's built on like how we're experiencing the world, our upbringing. And so it's really important to begin to notice what is the interpretation and what is the fact. And take any situation where you're experiencing imposter syndrome and go, okay, what is the interpretation and what is the fact? If you think that you're not qualified enough to apply to the managerial role, mm. ask yourself, what are the facts of it? And what is your interpretation? Interpretations. So that's the first thing is just making sure that you're, if 10 people got together, would they agree, disagree? Are they fighting about it? Because if so, it's probably an interpretation. The second thing is interpretations tend to be more vague. And that's where I can begin to see like interpretations will be like super excited. They'll be like, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not capable of doing that. 
It'll be like these super vague statements. I'm not professional, very broad, very vague. Mm. Again, shortcuts for the brain. Facts will be like, the person said X, Y, and Z. I asked for the deliverable by Tuesday. It's Wednesday and the deliverable isn't there. Like they're very specific things because they're the facts of what happens versus interpretations tend to be a little bit more vague. They're like stories that we made up. So that's your first tool. And with overcoming imposter syndrome, it's the first step mm-hmm. is awareness. You have to know what's happening or else you can't change it if you don't know what's happening. And I think that's the biggest piece right there. Now, the second step, once you use interpretation versus factor going into the awareness and building that awareness, the second step is you reframe it. You get to like shift it. This is where we like take beliefs and then how do we actually change them into something else? And so what I really love to use in this aspect is the be, do, have tool, another very popular personal development tool. And before I go into what be, do, have is, I'll first discuss that we live in a world that is more of the opposite where it goes have, do, and be. And so the way that this looks like is, If I had more money, then I would spend more time with my kids and I would feel and I would be a better parent. And so it's like, if I had this thing, then I would do this other thing. And then I would be this person. If I, this just happened with a new client of mine, she's in a new leadership role and I invited her, I encouraged her to see if her company would reimburse her for her coaching. And her first thing, Sonia was like, what? It was like, no, was very uncomfortable. And I could see it very uncomfortable. I was like, I'm new to this role. And then she goes, if I had more time here, then I would do that ask. I would request for it because I would feel more confident since I've been here for more time. And so we live in a world where oftentimes we think we need to have something before we can actually do something before we can actually be the thing we want to do. And when we begin to reframe, when we see what's the awareness of these of what I'm experiencing this overcoming imposter syndrome, you want to then think, who do I need to be? Who does the person that succeeds in this situation? Who does the person that overcomes the situation? need to be in order to do that. So you reverse it. You literally go, who do I need to be in order to do the things I need to do in order to have the thing Mm. I want to have? And so if we go back to my client who just got her coaching reimbursed, she had to be courageous because it was so scary for her to ask for help. That's the thing that I find a lot with Latinas is like we We're like really iffy about asking for help, especially if it's like money involved or someone's time. It's like, I don't want to inconvenience them. Mm -hmm. Like That's such a big one. So she had to be courageous. She had to be confident in her ability. And she had to be clear about how it benefits not only her, but the company, because it does. If you're a leader in a company, you thriving is the company thriving. So she had to be those things in order to do the thing, ask for her coaching to be reimbursed in order to have the thing, which is now have her coaching reimbursed and she's working with me. That's an example of reframing. You build awareness, you do interpretation versus fact, and then you go, okay, in order to overcome this, who would I need to be? And after you identify those identities of who you need to be, what are the things that you do from that place? Mm. Hey, if someone was really confident and bold and courageous, whatever the words are, What would they do in this situation? And then you do those things. (laughs) You get to work 
And you start doing those things in order to have the thing you desire to have, as opposed to the opposite, which is how most of us live. Yes, I love this. Embodiment is one of like my favorite type of work because it truly has (laughs) just changed so much. And I think we're sometimes so stuck on the, I wish I had, you know, I wish I could, I wish, and that, that we don't think about the many ways that we could absolutely have that now if we just acted on it so yes I love all of this (laughs) yeah and I love how you just said embodiment because literally step three is embody yeah step three is embody and the reason I love the word embody is because the definition of embody is to give spirit to something Mm -hmm. To literally provide a a form, to give a physical form to a spirit is what embody means. And when I think about overcoming imposter syndrome, the things that we get to give a physical form is things like confidence, is things like boldness, is things like just being courageous. These are things that aren't tangible. They're not physical. I can't touch them. Mm -hmm. But through embodiment, you literally become a physical form, a home for that energy. And that's why I love the word embody. Because it's about taking something that doesn't have a physical form and providing a home for it. And we do that for things like confidence, like boldness, like courage, like courage. But we can also do that for doubt and insecurity. And so choosing what is it that I want to be a home for? What do I want to be a physical living example of, of something that is only spirit energy? And so that's why I love the word. And so I use that third step. And the reason why it doesn't go from awareness to embody is because it's so important to first understand how are you reframing it and knowing that reframe, you can do a reframe in a day. You can be like, okay, this is what I'm going to reframe. But embodiment, that takes time. Yeah. You don't embody things overnight. (laughs) Absolutely. Those things, I would say most times, there's been few things that I've had in my life, very few, like I would, I could count like probably less than three things in my life where like overnight, I was like, I'm done with that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I was someone who growing up, like I never wanted to have kids. And I would say it all the time. And I had one experience that just completely shifted my whole, like it blew my mind away. And literally overnight, I was like, I'm done with that. Like, I'm no longer the person who doesn't want to have kids. And then I actually went into like, I want to have kids and that I would love to have some in the near future. But like, there's so there's very few things that actually happen like that. Those are more rare. Most of the time things are like they take time. And so that's why I have step three be embody because it takes consistency in order to be able to implement that reframe so much to the point where it becomes who you are. It is just who you are as a human being. You are the person that leads the team of five people. You are the person that negotiates your salary. You are the person that communicates through conflict. You just are that person and that takes time. And so one of my favorite things for Embody is a journaling practice. Do you have a journaling practice, Sonia? Yes, I do. I I love love journaling. I feel like that's one of the biggest tools that we can almost bypass it because it's so simple, right? And like writing (laughs) writing this, like, what am I going to write? But it it's definitely been one of the best tools for me to even my creative process. Absolutely. Journaling is incredible for 
processing emotions, identifying, identifying root causes and thoughts. Like there's times where I'm journaling. I don't know if this happened to you, but there's times where I'm journaling and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm thinking. Like I'll like start somewhere and then I get to a place and I'm like, oh, this is the problem. This is what is happening. This is what I keep thinking about myself that is actually harming or hindering me versus allowing me to grow. And so, yes, I love journaling. And I think it's a beautiful practice to have when you're going through an embodiment kind of, I wouldn't say a phase because I think it's a great practice overall, but if you're working on something particular, like right now you're really struggling with applying to managerial roles, or you're really struggling with the interviews because you don't know how you're doing and you don't think that you're good enough. If you're, there's something very specific that you're struggling with, I want you to use journaling as a way to be able to embody. And the way that you do that is you first, I like to suggest that you choose one thing that you're committed to embodying. So that could be, I am capable of leading a group, like a team of people. That's a really big struggle for many of my clients that go from individual contributor to a leadership role for the first time. Or even if they had a leadership role, you know, I had another client who went from like man or director to VP. And that was like a really big thing for them to kind of wrap their brain around. And so if you just begin to look, you think about one belief, like what is the one thing that I'm committed to that I'm embodying? based on the awareness that you built with interpretation versus fact, based on the reframe that you had with the be, do, have, you look at that and you go, okay, I am this person from the be, do, have. Let's say you said, I am someone who is confident and an empathetic leader capable of leading five people. Work on that belief every day. Literally tell yourself, what are the things that a leader of five people would do today? How would they respond to this situation? Every day you commit to that. Every day you go, okay, I am a confident leader that leads a group of five people. And then at the end of the day, you can be like, how did I do that? How did I act in accordance to the commitment I had today? And how did I not? And the how did I not is not about like beating yourself up about it or shame. It's literally just being able to be like, yeah, I, when that person came to me and they had a problem with, you know, with something I did, I got defensive. That's not the leader that I desire to be that leads a group of five people. And you just begin to go there and you be like, okay, so what would you do differently? So there's three parts to the journaling that I like to do. It's like how, in what ways did you embody? In what ways did you not? And how can you do better? There's three parts to it. And when you work on that on a consistent and daily basis, you begin to see what your patterns are. You begin to see what are the things like some of us can't remember what we ate for lunch three days ago. Like journaling is such a great way for you to track, for you to be like, oh, I get really triggered by this. I can tell. Look at my journals. Look at look at what I'm writing. And so it's so good being able to identify root thoughts to track your progress and to allow that creative flow to happen. And so it's one of my number one tools when it comes to embodiment is pick up a journal practice and dedicate yourself to one belief. The one thing that you truly need to embody in your in yourself to overcome that situation where you're experiencing imposter syndrome right now. And those are my three steps. I love it. Yes. And <laughs> one of the things, so I want to say two things from what you just said. One is the asking your future self, right? I always say if I'm stuck in a decision or even the way that I'm showing up, what would my future Mujeron self do? Like Ooh, that, I that's love my that. question, right? And it's uh -huh. always, uh, my coach is huge on visualization. So I've gotten really into that as well because it's truly amazing work 
And it's like almost visiting your future self and see the message that she has for, for all of the, maybe all the mind drama that we currently have and how that is not even going to matter in the future. So I, I absolutely love that you can journal about that, right? And like, think about the way that you're showing up in every area of your life. What would that future self do? How would she show up? Uh, who would she surround herself with, right? All of those things. And then the other thing that I, I'm like reflecting as you give us all of these tools is how sometimes this might seem a little easy, right? Like, or would this really impact me if I put it into work? But I want us to think about the way that we are so easily embodying the person we don't want to be. Mm. Right. Ooh, how, we say, how we say like, I'm lazy. I'm not productive. I procrastinate. I scroll on my phone. And like the more that we accept these comments about ourselves that we say to ourselves, the more that we are embodying that version of us. So I feel like just as easy as it is for us to pick up our phone and scroll or whatever, it can be that easy to show up and embody that version of yourself that you so want to become. Yes, that is such a great it's we are always embodying something. Mm -hmm. And I love the question that you say with the visualization. And what you came up with, which is like, what would my future mujeron person do? Like, what would she do? I love that question. And I think that's a question that every single listener can have for themselves. And if you don't identify as mujeron, what is your word? Like, yes, what would what is your that word? future? Yeah. What would that future me do? I think that's really, really powerful because it can get us out of the moment where we don't feel like doing something because I think banking mm -hmm. on motivation is one of the biggest issues that we can face when we're trying to achieve something our brains i already mentioned likes to interpret it likes to take shortcuts our brains generally don't want to expand a lot of energy on learning something new and transforming who we are it's not the way that it's operating on default it doesn't crave that we have to really implement into ourselves that that is what we want in order for our brain to follow suit because it's not going to be if it was all of us would be transforming our yes. lives all of us would have six packs and be thriving. <laughs> but it's tough work. This mindset stuff is tough. Like, it's just a challenge. It's a beautiful challenge that I love to take on. And so I love the questions that you that you provided and that we are always embodying something. So ask it, mm -hmm. what is it that you're embodying? And do you want to change it? Because if you don't, then, then don't. Yeah. But if you do, it's possible. I had to get really real with myself like in the last few weeks because my transition to becoming a mom has been a lot and like every stage with my baby has been different. So I had to really think about like the changes that I wanted to do, right? And like where I was going to be more lenient and, and give myself grace, but also where I was going to be a little bit stricter and um, how, how was I going to make all of these dreams come true and bring the self-awareness, right? Am I doing right now what I need to be doing in order to reach these goals? So thank yeah. you so much, Ali. This was amazing. I resonated with so much of this and I'm sure our listeners will too. Um, so I want you to tell us a little bit more about how we can work with you, where we can find you and all of those things. Oh, lovely. Okay. This has been amazing. So in terms of 
LinkedIn is where I am most active and you're going to find me Alejandra Hernandez, AI Hernandez is where you're going to find me. Um, so A is an apple, I is an igloo, Hernandez. And on Instagram, it's empower change. So that's E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R change. So I just added an H in there for Instagram. And I'm currently promoting and launching my Latinas and leadership group coaching program. And so this is specifically for Latina mid-level professionals that want to thrive as leaders. You want to feel confident. You want to know that you can speak up and that you can advocate for yourself. And you want to change this number of 3% of Latinas being in senior level positions, because I surely do. And like, you know, I've mentioned every time we get into these positions of leadership, we turn around and we help other people. And I think that's why I love this work because I know that it's a trickle. It's it's, an, it's the butterfly effect, right? So if you're interested in that, the link will be in the show notes. You can also DM me on LinkedIn. You'll find all that information. But Latinas in Leadership is that group coaching program. And that's how you can work with me. It's the big thing. Um, I have a couple of slots left for one-on-one, but not many. So Latinas in Leadership might be the best route. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put all of that on the show notes. Thank you again so much for your time and for pouring into our cups. I feel so good. Ready to embody. (laughs) I love it. Let's go embody. (laughs) Thank you so much, ladies, for tuning in to another episode of the Mujeron podcast. Please make sure to connect with Alejandra and our Mujeron movement community. We have a lot of surprises coming your way. I can't wait to connect with you again, Ale, in the near future. And amigas, make sure you continue to work on becoming the Mujeron of your dreams. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episodio of the Mujeron podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.